little girl, little boy, uh, we're in daycare, and the girl approaches the boy and says, Tommy, do you want to play house? And Tommy says, sure, uh, what do you want me to do? And she says, I want you to communicate your thoughts. <laughs> and, and Tommy's like, communicate my thoughts, I have no idea what that means. And she says, great, you can be the husband. Communication isn't always a strength for all of us, but uh, I got to say, for most of us, as human beings in general, we make a lot of noise on this planet with our words, you know, with our chit-chat, with our airing of opinions. We are wired by God to communicate, and most of us actually like to communicate, as I just saw demonstrated during our greeting time. And after the service, it'll be quite natural for many of us to to hang around with a cup of coffee or a cup of tea and actually talk to one another, to chit-chat. And when our conversations move from the horizontal to each other, to, to, to God, when we direct that heavenward, we call that prayer. Uh, part of why God uh, created the human race was he, he invites us into this ongoing conversation and fellowship that is going on at the heart of the universe among Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He invites us into that communication. But we do it every day. That's really all prayer is, by the way, is, is talking to God like we would talk to anyone else. It's, it's so natural for, for most of us. I, I gotta say, we probably can overcomplicate prayer a lot. We actually talk a lot about prayer. We probably ought to pray more and talk less about prayer, but we're gonna talk a little bit about prayer. But I'd suggest this this morning, that if we could learn to enjoy talking to God as much as we enjoy talking to other people, the world would be different. And we would be different. I'm talking about a, the kind of prayer that, that turns the world upside down. And we're in this series uh, in the book of Acts, and you know what, what bound the early church together, what kept them in God's will, what enabled them to survive, and not only survive, but to actually flourish... Was, was prayer. I mean, it was central to the community. It says in Acts 2.42, they, they devoted themselves to some practices. It named specifically, they were devoted to prayer. And the value and the, the power of prayer is demonstrated all throughout the book of Acts. So this morning, we're going to look at nine types of prayer that we see or that we can learn to pray. The, the book of Acts teaches us to pray these prayers. And so today, we're going to go through those, but we're not going to just talk about prayer. We're actually, along the way, going to pause from time to time, and we're going to pray. So let's do that. Well, right in the first uh, chapter of Acts, we find the church praying. Acts 1.14 says, They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. The first prayer that uh, we see prayed in Acts is corporate prayer. They're praying together, the apostles and the women, and even Jesus' family, his, his brothers, his, his mother, were told that they joined constantly together in prayer. What kind of prayer? Well, you might call it um, waiting prayer or prayer of anticipation. Jesus had promised them the Holy Spirit, and they were waiting on God to come. Jesus said, wait on me, and I, I will clothe you with power in the Spirit. And so they're seeking God's power in their lives. Um, I, Howard Marshall, is one of the, the best commentators I know of on the book of Acts, and uh, he says this. He says, if the Holy Spirit is the gift which empowers and guides the church, 
The corresponding human attitude towards God is prayer. It is as the church prays that it receives the Spirit. So at the outset, Luke emphasizes that the disciples spend time waiting for the Spirit in an attitude of continuous and united prayer. Together, they were, they were, they were holding on to God's promises that if they prayed, that, that God would break out in their midst, that, that God would, would show up, that they would be an empowered people, that God would give them their, his Spirit as they waited and as they prayed. Now, Right there is, is one of the challenges for us and, and prayer in our day. In, in our world, we, we talked about storylines last week, and one of the, the, the storylines that we live by is summed up in Nike's ad, right? Just do it. Just do it would not be the motto for prayer, by the way. The motto for prayer might be more like, just wait. Just seek. Let me ask you, does anybody like waiting? Like for something? I mean... Uh, again, I said this, uh, we are, we are a, a culture of the now. We want it yesterday. Uh, you know, your, your Wi-Fi is not working for a moment, and it's panic, right? Anyone had one of those crises lately? It's for some of us, I'd say prayer seems kind of passive, right? It, it, like, what does prayer actually accomplish? anyway, right? I mean, there's a whole the- theological thinking here that, that goes with this is, <laughs> like, if God knows the end from the beginning, like, why do we even have to pray? I mean, that, that he, Jesus actually, when he teaches us to pray, he says the Father uh, knows what you need before you ask. So then, why ask? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, theologically, we could spend morning after morning on this particular topic, except for the fact that Jesus also taught us to pray your kingdom come, your will be done. It means that somehow our prayers participate in the coming of God's kingdom. Uh, James, we famously quote that often, but the power of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Prayer accomplishes things. It's hard because, again, it, it, it seems like such a passive activity. And, and quite honestly, it's difficult for us because we live in a world that's kind of wired for doing, right? <laughs> you know, we're, some of you are, are born doers. You've just got action in your blood. And it feels more constructive to do something than to sit and pray. But as someone once said, prayer is the doing before the doing. It's the doing before the doing. Um, our two boys, um, I, I should have put a picture of them, but many of you would know what they look like. They're now giants. Not like their mother giant, not, not that giant size, more like their dad giant, right? She's a giant in her own right, aren't you, hon? Um, my, my eldest son is now 20. I mean, it's a good thing I had him when I was like 12, but still, he's getting up there. And I, uh, I remember when, uh, his name is Caleb, and I remember when Angel was pregnant with Caleb, um, at the end of some days, I'd come home from work, and she'd say, "Hon, I'm so tired. Like, this is really early in the first trimester. She's just, she's just complaining repeatedly about how tired she was. She, one day, I remember she was saying, I think I must be dying. I'm so tired. <laughs> right? Anybody been that pregnant where you go, I think I might be, yeah. yeah. There's some amens on that one, I think. And it struck me during that season of her pregnancy, in those earliest of weeks, that during those first weeks, that child is actually growing faster than it will 
than the entire rest of that child's life. That's the fastest growth, exponential growth curve that's ever gonna happen in that kid's life. In fact, it's estimated that if we continue to grow at the same pace as our first two weeks during that season of, of gestation, that we would be 28,000 pounds at birth. If we kept up the growth, it's a good thing God kind of slows it down, right? <laughs> the moms are just thanking the Lord that, how big's your baby? 52,000 52, pounds, that's a biggie, wow. Uh, that's how steep the, the trajectory, the cell division is of, of mothers. And so during those, those first couple of weeks, it's, it's amazing the kind of biological development that's going on. I mean, that the child will, will <laughs> the hair color is chosen, the, the sound of their laugh, the, the color of their skin tone, all that stuff is decided very, very early on in this, this little infant embryo's life. A massive transformation is taking place, and, it, and quite honestly, it probably is the most significant season of anybody's life, right there. And so when a pregnant lady says she's tired, go easy on her. A lot going on down there. But the real glory and mystery of it is it's, it's all happening behind the scenes. It's actually happening, at a, in, in this case, at a, at a microscopic level. It, 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 for all intents and purposes, might as well be invisible. And just the same, the good fruit that we see visible in the lives of God's people and in his church, they, they are planted in prayers of weakness and dependency. They're prayers that are prayed often in secret. What happens in prayer to the spiritual realm is, is like what happens in the first two weeks are to the physical. Great things are born out of prayer. And look around, it, it, it's the spiritually minded who actually accomplished the most earthly good. You can think of a whole pile of examples, but like William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, or Mother Teresa, uh, you know, working with the poor in Calcutta, or Billy Graham directing millions of people towards the hope of Jesus. You study their lives, and what, what do you find? You find a deeply sustained prayer life. Why? Because they become dependent on a source outside themselves who replenishes them and, and fills them with, a, with, with far more love for the world than they can ever muster up themselves. Prayer is the most subversive movement that I know of. It may seem passive at times, but it changes the world. And so God calls us to cultivate kind of a long obedience in the same direction here, cultivating long-term rhythms and habits of prayer, both individually and in our life together. We gather, we pray, we pray in our groups, we pray on Sundays, we pray on our own, but we pray in faith towards the day when God will break through and answer and deliver. And the church, they prayed for Pentecost to happen for, I think it was like 10 days or so, and then, then God broke out in the spirit. But you know what I found? That sometimes it takes 10 days to pray the prayer that he's put on your heart uh, the most rewarding prayers in my life are prayers that I've been praying for two years or five years or 10 years. And then when God shows up, you're like, God, I never would have done it that way, but wow, that is so awesome. So, so in this next couple months, and, and get used to this, folks, we've just decided we're gonna be a praying church, okay? Can we agree on that? That we're just, that this is gonna be part of 
who we are. It's going to be part of our ethos as a church. We're going to be a, a people who just are going to be seekers and prayers, and uh, we'll use whatever tool that will help us. Uh, we'll fast. We'll pray. We'll urge you to pray. We'll pray together. Let's, let's do that. Boy, we're only on point one. All right. Another prayer we learn about in the book of Acts is the prayer for wisdom. Better speed up here. We again find this in the first chapter of Acts. They're praying a specific prayer for a specific issue. They're waiting or wanting God to give them wisdom for providing a replacement for Judas, their, their fallen disciple. Acts 1.24 says, Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. By the way, these are the kind of prayers our, our leadership team pray all the time. We, we pray often, God, send us the right staff. You know, like, Lord, you know who's best, who, who fits here. And we, we kind of put all kinds of work in our committees, thinking about what might fit here. And it's in, interesting how God sends us who we need, <laughs> who might not fit our, even our job description. Uh, I think of Bill Ballard recently, our, our new associate who's starting next week. And... Uh, what a gift. And there's just a cool prayer story behind his coming. I won't tell you about that, but uh, on his end and our end, how God brought us together is just remarkable. We pray for, for staff team. We pray for our elders. Why do we pray for God to raise up elders? Because we want his choice, not our choice. We actually trust that he knows better what we need than we need ourselves. And so we ask and ask more for wisdom, that he would raise up leaders he does this for the church, and he also does this in our personal lives as we face decisions. I told you last week, uh, a few weeks ago, that I, uh, from time to time, go away to pray, and I went away on a prayer retreat in, in January for a few days, and uh, one of the first things I did the first morning I was there was I took out a legal pad of paper, and uh, I, I wrote down everything that was bothering me, every decision that I was facing, every need that I could think of. And I filled up probably a, a, a whole paper, a list of things, of decisions that needed to may, be made and those kind of things. And, and I kind of treated this as my prayer list. And funny, I didn't even feel I needed to go over it. It was like actually writing it down. It was like I was writing it in the presence of God and I kind of knew he's gonna help me with this. And, and it's funny, I look at this list today and how he's already in this last month been answering in every single one of those areas. It's been phenomenal. But, but doing that for me, it helped me in some ways, significant. It, it was great to get the burden off of me. But the other thing I do is I, I seek God for wisdom for some of these things. And he promises when we ask for wisdom, he gives wisdom. Let me give you an example. One of the things I wrote down was I have a conflict on my calendar. Uh, I actually can't be two places in once, but I've got a wedding and a denominational conference on the same weekend. And the denominational conference is in Calgary. And I, it's going to be hard to be at a wedding here in Vancouver and a conference in Calgary. And these are both really good things. This friend that's getting married and, and, and this, this conference I love going to and staying connected with our, fa our wider family. And I'm torn by this and I, I put that on my list. Lord, I have no idea what's best. These are both good things. And you know what was really cool? Over the course of the next two or three days, it was like, he told me, and he didn't tell me. I just had, a, I had my heart getting drawn to the wedding and not to the conference. And by the end of the retreat, I thought, I know I'm supposed to go to the wedding. And I don't, I don't know if you, I have a bit of a phobia, a fear of missing out. 
I don't know what phobia that is, but I'm sure it is one. A fear of missing out. And so I, I fear uh, missing out something at this conference that's going to be like the greatest conference our denomination has ever had. But with God, I can trust that I'm not missing anything because he's leading me. He's giving wisdom. And so I, I want us to pray this. And I'm wondering right now, we're just going to pause. And uh, you, you, you have a you know, uh, sermon note in your hand or, or, uh, and you can write something down. But I think I'd, I'd like you to think of one thing that you could use wisdom on in your life. Can you think of one thing where you're going, Lord, I don't know what's right here. So why don't you just bow our heads and close our eyes. You can write it down if you want. You don't have to, but I'm I'm imagining you having your your sort of notepad in front of you, and there's that one thing that's top of your list where you go, I could use your guidance on this, God. I'm going to give you about a minute or so, and let's just have quiet prayer. Lord, you said in James that if anyone asks for wisdom and believes in their heart that you would give it, you will. So we're, we're just asking, Lord, this morning. I pray for my brothers and sisters, whatever, whatever's on their list right now, whatever decision or guidance they need, in your mercy, grant it, I pray. Speak clearly like you spoke to me over the... Either in this moment or in the days ahead, I pray they would find clarity from you. And it's as if your light would shine on that situation, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Another prayer that we see in Acts uh, is the prayer for boldness to speak about Jesus. We looked at this prayer in the fall, and uh, I'll be brief on this one, but do you remember Peter and John, they've been, uh, they healed the lame man and uh, then they're brought in front, they're arrested, brought in front of the Sanhedrin, and they amazingly have this bold defense before the Sanhedrin, the, the religious leaders, uh, and then they're released, and they go off, and um, they, what do they do? They go and pray with the church, and what do they pray? They've just been bold for God in this astounding way, and they're noted for that, and, and then they pray, God, make us more bold, <laughs> Right? I mean, Acts 4.29 says, now, Lord, consider their threats, the threats of these, these, these people who'd, who'd persecuted them, and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. And we're told that this is a prayer God answered. Listen what happens in verse 31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Uh, I wonder, have you ever been in a place, have you ever been praying in a prayer meeting and the place shook? I'd love to be there for that. I, I've been in prayer meetings where I shook, but that's another story. 
um, but never in a house that shook. I love to, to see that. But they prayed for boldness, and it says that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God boldly. You know, being bold, by the way, doesn't mean you have to be a duplicate of me. You know, extroverted, willing to talk to anybody anytime. That doesn't need, you don't have to have an extroverted personality type to be bold for God. And by the way, it also doesn't mean that you're pushy or obstinate or Bible-thumping or unloving. There's this worldly kind of boldness that is not God-honoring and is not something that will ever point someone to Jesus or his truth. Godly boldness is motivated by a passion for Jesus, a passion for his truth, but it is also humble and gracious and loving. And so we pray for boldness. We pray that in, in the relationships we have, that at the appropriate times, we'd speak up for Jesus. We'd be a, an ambassador. We'd be not afraid to, to point people to the, the, the love we've found in Christ. We do it, we pray for boldness not because we want to bully people. We, we pray for boldness because we've tasted this love and it's not right that they not ever hear about it. Right? This profound love of God. And so let's pray for boldness. I want to encourage Angel to come up and she's going to lead us in a prayer this morning for boldness in our lives. I want to remind you, Boldness is very often connected in Scripture, in the, in, in the book of Acts, with the filling of the Spirit. It's like the first sign of the, the filling of the Spirit is that they were bold for God. And so, may God fill us with His Spirit as we pray. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are here. Because you said when two or three are gathered, the Father, Son, and the Spirit are here. Father, we want to confess, Father. <clears throat> uh, we, sometimes we are fearful. Father, we want to confess our apathy. Father, we don't even want to sometimes speak about you. We confess our fears, fear of man. Father, we are so worried about what others think of us. The fear of failure. Father, sometimes we are so consumed, Father, uh, with our selfish ways. Father, concerned about our kingdoms and our wills. So, Father, we confess those before you. <clears throat> Father, we pray, Lord, would you stretch out your healing hand and heal us. Heal us of these things, Father. And, Father, would you fill us Father, fill us with your spirit, we pray. Father, fill your people with your Holy Spirit that we might have boldness, Father, courage and confidence to speak of you. Father, with the people, with our friends, the people of influence we have over others, Father, with our children, in our families, Father, in our workplaces, Father, uh, with our uh, friends, our students, Father, would you give us boldness, boldness that comes from you and you alone to speak 
the right words, the words of life. That our friends may live. Father, that they may experience you, Jesus. That they may experience the love of God. So give us that boldness, we pray. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, very closely connected to this prayer that the uh, early church prayed for boldness, they also prayed for healings and miracles. And we see this in Acts 4.30. There's this this great faith-filled prayer. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. We talked last year about big ask prayers. I got to pronounce that really slowly. Um, big, Big, hairy, audacious prayers. What are those kind of prayers? They're prayers you might call only God prayers. They're, they're prayers that only God can actually accomplish. Like you, some of the things we pray, we could actually go out and do, right? We pray that God would, would bless the poor in our city. We can actually go and actually love on the poor. But there's some things we, we, we ask, and, and like changing a heart, that's hard. Restoring a, a marriage, well, that's, that's on the impossible scale sometimes. You, you, I, I'm sure all of us know somebody who's in a, in a broken marriage and you're going, that seems like that would be impossible for God to fix that or for, for us to see that restored. And so there's those only God kind of prayers. We see an example of, of this kind of praying in, in Acts chapter nine. One of the women who was kind of the heart and soul of this little church in Joppa, uh, just uh, a city just outside of modern day Tel Aviv, uh, her name was Tabitha, also known as Dorcas. She gets really sick, and uh, it's such a discouragement. She's, she's known for helping the sick, and, and now Tabitha, Dorcas is sick, and, and then she dies. And this little church is just heartbroken. It'd be like the, the heart and soul of our church. If one of our key elders passed away suddenly, we'd be like heartsick over it. And they call for Peter, and Peter comes, and it says, Peter sent them all out of the room. And then he got down on his knees, and he prayed, And turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. And and she opened her eyes. And and seeing Peter, she sat up. And he took her by the hand and he helped her to her feet. And then he called for everybody, especially especially the widows, the ones she was known for caring for. And he presents her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, it says, and many people believed in the Lord. You know, instances of a person coming back to life in their physical body are few and far between, even in Scripture. But I think these stories are there to teach us and trust that we can trust God for the impossible. I mean, he's able to to heal the sick. He's able to restore life to the dead. He's able to restore the brokenhearted. He is able to reverse death. He's reversed death for all who trust in Christ. God can do all those things that are impossible to us according to his will, and the portion of our faith. And so we ask big, because we have a big God who can do anything. He's able. I, I want to ask you this morning, when is the last time you prayed for something that is truly impossible? When's the last time you actually prayed about something where you think, that's beyond me? This is an only God thing. Let me ask you Where is there in your life or among someone you know, a friend or family member, a massive need right now? Do you know somebody who's in in big trouble or who's really sick? And maybe it's you. 
Why don't we pray for those people right now in our own hearts? I'm going to invite you, just would you bow your heads with me? But this morning, if you know somebody, maybe it's somebody who's, um, their marriage is breaking apart even as we speak. Or maybe it's somebody who's just got a terrible diagnosis. Uh, Maybe it's somebody who's just in the grips of depression. Whoever that person is, it may be you. Um, If you're willing, just as a sign of your faith in God that he can do the impossible, why don't you stand where you are? If there's somebody that God has brought to your mind, why don't you stand kind of as a symbol of your faith that you're asking God to move in that situation? This is kind of your big ask prayer right here. You're praying for that person. You don't have to stand. Only if God's put somebody on your heart. And so God, we bring before you those, those, these friends, these people, even individuals that are here in this room. We bring you our impossibilities, God. And, and we're reminded of Jesus' words that said, all things are possible by God. And so just as Peter raised the dead, Father, we pray you would step into these situations and you might bring about your resurrection power, Lord. You might truly bring about healing and and miracles and wonders, Father. We ask, as the early church asked, Father, stretch out your hand, Lord, to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of Jesus. We pray this for your glory, God. We pray, just like this happened in the church, that this became known all over. We'd we'd love for this to become the the kind of miracles in our midst and and among people we love, that it become known all over the Tri-Cities, and and many, many people would believe in Jesus because of your working in our lives, God. So I pray right now. Pray for the person here who needs your touch just desperately today. They've got a need that's so big. Step into their, into their the situation, God. Would you heal and bring signs and wonders, Lord, there, we ask. We entrust these people, we entrust these needs into our wonder-working God's hands. And all God's people said, amen. Have a seat. And then in Acts, we uh, have this string of kind of specific prayers for specific people groups in the book of Acts, and I, I want to just kind of whip through these. Let me give you four. We are to pray for those who are selected to serve in the church. We see this in Acts 6.6. 6. It says, they had them stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. Uh, we, we read about this a few weeks ago, how the apostles, you know, chose seven men to serve the growing church, and then they prayed for God's blessing to be upon them and their ministry. And there's a bunch of examples in the letters of Paul, and you might even say that the letters of Paul are often like prayer, prayer letters, where Paul is asking, pray for me in my work. Pray for me in my leadership and in my ministry. And I gotta say this, if Paul and the other apostles, disciples, needed prayer, how much more do we as, as leaders and pastors and those who shepherd in the church? Uh, they need our, they need, need our prayers in all kinds of ways. Mark Washington was here a few few weeks ago, and Mark was talking about this, how we're in this spiritual battle. It's always going on, and, and, and quite honestly, it's like leaders in the church, our staff members and our elders, it's like they, they've got a bullseye painted on their back. Why? Why would the devil want to take them down or discourage them or have them lose heart or tempt them to quit? Why would that be? Because he knows that people in positions of leadership and influence— 
have a greater impact when they fall, right? And so let's pray for the families of our elders and pray for our our leaders and our pastors. I want to urge you to pray for me. I'm so in need. I need your prayers to be a a good leader and a good servant. And and I want to pray and preach boldly. And I want to be a good husband. I want to be a good father. And I want to be, you can pray for this. This is my special prayer request for you this morning. I want to be a, just a decent human being, right? I want to, I want to love on people and uh, treat people well. So you can pray for me. Matthew Henry put it this way. He says, the more earnestly the people pray for their ministers, the more benefit they may expect from their ministry. <laughs> the more we pray for our church leaders, the more we can expect God to use our church to impact the world for God. Amen? Uh, Another group we see the early church praying for are believers who are persecuted for their faith. Several examples of this in Acts. We see this in Acts 12, 5. It says, so Peter was kept in prison, but prayer was being made earnestly to God for him by the church. So Peter's in prison for his faith, for being bold about Jesus. And the church, we're told, they prayed for him earnestly. The church supported Peter in prayer, and, and, they, and, and we're called, as this example of Acts gives us, to intercede on behalf of those who are experiencing opposition for their faith, and, and this is a way we're called to pray. It's for those in, in, in parts of the world where it's really difficult to be a Christian, where pastors disappear, where, where they're just literally abducted, or, or Christians lose their jobs because they're Christian. And so I, I wanted us to specifically pray for a specific area where they're experiencing this opposition. I think it was on the 31st of December when we were gathering together, um, God kind of put his finger on Iran. And some of our church family are from Iran, but I don't know if you know this, but right now in Iran, there is a move of God going on. In fact, somebody, somebody has done some research that suggests right now in this particular season, there are more people coming to Christ in Iran than any other nation in the world right now. That's what I heard. Wouldn't that be awesome? And so uh, we're going to watch a video clip. This is actually an Iranian woman who's going to lead us in prayer for Iran. And, and this is a prayer cast video. You can go to actually prayer cast. And any nation in the world, pretty much, they've got a, a prayer. You can pray for that nation. So maybe wherever you come from, you'd like to go, go and listen to their prayer cast video. We'll, we'll use them from time to time. But let's uh, pray together with this prayer that will be on the screen. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your blessings in Iran. I pray, Lord, for all the authorities in Iran that you work in their hearts, Lord. You bring compassion and justice, Lord. Open their eyes, Lord, that they can see what a big responsibility they have, Lord, towards people and you, Lord, that one day they have to answer to you. Lord, I pray for the poverty, for drug addiction, for depression, Lord, that is so much in Iran. Heavenly Father, I pray that you open the way for the gospel, Lord. You open the way that people can hear more about you, even in the small villages, Lord. Especially now that most people, they have satellite, that they can hear your word, Lord that Holy Spirit can work in their hearts and open their eyes towards you, Lord. I pray for the church, Lord, that is under persecution. 
Heavenly Father, I pray that you bless them and give them wisdom what to do, Lord, and especially for the people who are in the prison. I pray that you give them wisdom, Lord, and you fill their hearts with joy, with your Holy Spirit, that they know they can trust you, Lord, that they can remember your word, Lord, and trust in each word, Lord, and they can open their mouth bravely and talk about you, Lord, and give the gospel to other people. I thank you, Lord, and I know that one day, Lord, that um, the doors will be open to your gospel, and the church again will be built in Iran, Lord. In Jesus' name I ask, Amen. change the world? Pray. Okay. I really want to go through fa fast forward here because, uh, you know, the Doug Short, actually, one of our missionaries taught me this about prayer. He said, pray for one minute, people um, pray with you. Uh, pray for two minutes, people pray for you. Pray for three minutes, people pray against you. I think there's got to be something uh, like preaching, you know, preach for 20 minutes, they're with you, preach for 30. Yeah, anyway, I'm not going to actually, you'll be quoting me on that. I don't want you to, want you to do that, but uh, really quickly, three other prayers. We're called to pray for our missionaries. I think it was Isaiah that said, blessed are those who, blessed are the feet of those who bring good news. And the apostles, they actually prayed for Paul and Barnabas and sent them out into the world. And Jesus, he, he said, my house will be a house of prayer for who? For all nations. And so we pray for those that we send out, that, that God would empower them, bless them, be with their family. So we pray for our missionaries. Uh, finally, you know, another group of people that specifically pointed out in, in Acts is this, those who treat us poorly or wrongly or persecute us. Remember Stephen? He's being put to death. And he, and he prays this unbelievable prayer, Lord, do not charge my murderers with this sin. What a prayer. How, how can he pray that? Uh, the gospel had gotten so deep in him that his instinct to pray when somebody harmed him was to pray blessing. He took Jesus' words seriously. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Uh, Jesus' words to love those who offend us or hurt us or do us wrong the fact is we can't actually do any of that without prayer, without him changing our hearts. Uh, I wonder this morning, is there somebody that you need to, to specifically pray for? You need to, you know, more than anyone else you're praying for in your, in, this, in your life right now, you need to be praying for this one person who annoys you the most. No nudging of your husband or wife people. Um, but maybe you need to start praying for that person, person very specifically, blessing them praying for them so we can be like Stephen.
final prayer I'll point out in the book of Acts is what you might call the prayer of praise. It's found in this great story of Paul and Silas. Again, a couple of guys who are thrown in jail because of their faith, because of being bold about Jesus. Acts 16, 25 tells us that at about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And it says the other, other prisoners were listening to them. The story's quite profound. I mean, the faith that they had in what was horrible circumstances. I'm just guessing first century jails weren't comfortable environments. It wasn't like they went off to Rivendell, off to a, a prayer chapel to pray. There they are in prison at midnight, damp, dark, cold. And what are they doing? They're praying. They're singing prayers of praise. They're, they're giving glory to God. And I, and I, I, you remember the rest of the story, what happens? The ground literally shakes again. Another, another prayer shaking kind of environment. And the prison, this earthquake happens and the prison doors are blown off and they're released and they're freed. And, and more than just that, the, the, as they had praised and this happens, the, the, the jailer sees their faith and he comes to Christ. It was all because of praise. And folks, that's the power of praise. As we celebrate God, as we celebrate and consider together his goodness, his glory, we get our eyes off ourselves, we, we refocus ourselves onto him, on his goodness and on his love and his grace. And you know what, what happens sometimes? It sends actual shock waves through your life. And it changes how you see things and how you experience what you're experiencing, even when you're in a deep, dark, damp prison. Came across this quote this week. It says, when you enter his presence with praise, he enters your circumstances with power. You catch that? When you enter his presence with praise, he enters your circumstances with power. We gotta do that. We gotta do that, folks. We gotta, we gotta give God praise in every way we know how. It's, it's one of the, the ways the book of Acts teaches us to pray and we have so many reasons to glorify God and, and, and to praise him in our prayers, we should give thanks and praise. For the Lord deserves it. And so let's do it. I'm gonna invite our music team to come up, but with the rest of us, let's bow our heads uh, and, and, and pray. Just sense this morning, by the way, that... Uh, The difference between some of us walking off the field of battle, uh, turning a- around and, and uh, giving up in life, uh, quitting some good thing, the difference between us doing that and sticking with it and standing firm is going to be prayer. It's going to be prayer. And God, uh, some of us are tempted in some situations just to, to stop trying and, uh, and in fact, maybe that's what we were supposed to do today because we need you, Lord, in our lives. Father, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us in, in every circumstance, in every need of our lives to come to you first, to look to you. Lord, the, the early church, they were devoted to prayer. I pray that would be what Hillside Community Church gets known for. We're devoted to prayer. And not only that, we begin to see, Lord, you stretching out your hand to, to work in us in such a way that, that the people around us might actually go, what's going on there? Something unusual, something strange. They might actually see the, the glory of God reflected in us.
So Father, draw us into a relationship with you. Teach us what it really means to communicate with you. Grant us your grace to do that. And, and Lord, this morning, we want to praise you. We lift up your name this morning. We give you praise. You're such a good God. We glorify you today. Thank you, Lord, for presencing yourself with us this morning. So we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.